Act Three of Antony and Cleopatra by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One A Plain in Syria. Enter Ventidius, as it were, in triumph with Silius and other Romans, officers and soldiers the dead body of Pacorus borne upon them. Now, darting Parthia, art thou struck, and now pleased fortune does of Marcus Crassus' death make me revenger. Bear the king's son's body before our army. Thy Pacorus, Erotus, pays this for Marcus Crassus. Noble Ventidius, whilst jet with Parthian blood thy sword is warm, the fugitive Parthians follow. Spur through Media, Mesopotamia, and the shelters whither the rooted fly, since our grand captain Antony shall set thee on triumphant chariots, and put garlands on thy head. O oh, Silius, Silius, I have done enough. A lower place, note well, may make too great an act. For learn this, Silius, better to leave undone than by our deed acquire too high a fame when him we serves away. Caesar and Antony have ever won more in their officer than person. Sosius, one of my place in Syria, his lieutenant, for quick accumulation of renown, which he achieved by the minute, lost his favor. Who does in the wars more than his captain can, becomes his captain's captain, and ambition, the soldier's virtue, rather makes choice of loss than gain which darkens him. I could do more to do Antonius good, but twould offend him and in his offence should my performance perish. Thou hast, Ventidius, that without the which a soldier and his sword grant scarce distinction. Thou wilt write to Antony. I'll humbly signify what in his name that magical word of war we have effected, how with his banners and his well-paid ranks the ne'er-yet-beaten horse of Parthia we have jaded out of the field. Where is he now? He purposeth to Athens, whither with what haste the weight we must convey with this will permit, we shall appear before him. On there, pass along. Exuant. Scene two. Rome. An antechamber in Octavius Caesar's house. Enter Agrippa at one door, Domitius and Abarbus at another. What are the brothers parted? They have dispatched with Pompey. He is gone. The other three are sealing. Octavia weeps to part from Rome. Caesar is sad, and Lepidus, since Pompey's feast, as Menas says, is troubled with the green sickness. Tis a noble Lepidus. A very fine one. Oh, how he loves Caesar. Nay, but how dearly he adores Mark Antony. Caesar? Why, he's the Jupiter of men. What's Antony the god of Jupiter? Spake you of Caesar? How? The nonpareil. Oh, Antony, oh, thou Arabian bird. Would you praise Caesar? Say Caesar. Go no further. Indeed, he plied them both with excellent praises. But he loves Caesar best. Yet he loves Antony. Ho, hearts, tongues, figures, scribes, bards, poets cannot think, speak, cast, write, sing, number. Ho, his love to Antony. But as for Caesar, kneel down, kneel down and wonder. Both he loves. They are his shards and he their beetle. Trumpets within. So, this is to horse. Adieu, noble Agrippa. Good fortune, worthy soldier, and farewell. 
Enter Octavius Caesar, Mark Antony, Lepidus, and Octavia. No further, sir. You take from me a great part of myself. Use me well, and... Sister, prove such a wife as my thoughts make thee, and as my farthest band shall pass on thy approof. Most noble Antony, let not the peace of virtue which is set betwixt us as the cement of our love, to keep it builded, be the ram to batter the fortress of it. For better might we have loved without this mean, if on both parts this be not cherished. Make me not offended in your distrust. I have said. You shall not find, though you be therein curious, the least cause for what you seem to fear. So the gods keep you, and make the hearts of Romans serve your ends. We will here part. Farewell, my dearest sister. Fare thee well. The elements be kind to thee, and make thy spirits all of comfort. Fare thee well. My noble brother. The April's in her eyes. It is love's spring, and these the showers to bring it on. Be cheerful. Sir, look well to my husband's house, and— What, Octavia? I'll tell you in your ear. Her tongue will not obey her heart, nor can her heart inform her tongue. The swan's down-feather that stands upon the swell at full of tide, and neither way inclines. Aside to Agrippa. Will Caesar weep? Aside to Domitius and Abarbus. He has a cloud in his face. Aside to Agrippa. He were the worse for that, were he a horse. So is he, being a man. Aside to Domitius and Abarbus. Why, you know, Barbus, when Antony found Julius Caesar dead, he cried almost to roaring, and he wept when at Philippi he found Brutus slain. Aside to Agrippa. That year, indeed, he was troubled with a room. What willingly he did confound, he wailed, believed till I wept too. No, sweet Octavia, you shall hear from me still. The time shall not outgo my thinking on you. Come, sir, come, I'll wrestle with you in my strength of love. Look, here I have you, thus I let you go, and give you to the gods. Adieu. Be happy. Let all the number of the stars give light to thy fair way. Farewell. Farewell. Kisses, Octavia. Farewell. Trumpets sound. Exuant. Scene three. Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Carmion, Iris, and Alexis. Where is the fellow? Half afeard to come. Go to, go to. Enter the messenger as before. Come hither, sir. Good majesty, Herod of Jewry dare not look upon you but when you are well pleased. That Herod's head I'll have. But how when Antony is gone, through whom I might command it? Come thou near. Most gracious majesty. Didst thou behold Octavia? I, dread queen. Where? Madam, in Rome. I looked her in the face, and saw her led between her brother and Mark Antony. Is she as tall as me? She is not, madam. Didst hear her speak? Is she shrill-tongued or low? Madam, I heard her speak. She is low-voiced. That's not so good. I cannot like her long. Like her? Oh, Isis, tis impossible. I think so, Carmion. Dull of tongue and dwarfish. 
What majesty is in her gait? Remember, if e'er thou lookest on majesty. She creeps. Her motion and her station are as one. She shows a body rather than a life, a statue than a breather. Is this certain? Or I have no observance. Three in Egypt cannot make better note. He's very knowing, I do perceive. There's nothing in her yet. The fellow has good judgment. Excellent. Guess at her years, I prithee. Madam, she was a widow. Widow? Come in, hark. And I do think she's thirty. Bearest thou her face in mind? Is it long or round? Round, even to faultiness. For the most part, too, they are foolish that are so. Her hair, what color? Brown, madam, and her forehead as low as she would wish it. There's gold for thee. Thou must not take my former sharpness ill. I will employ thee back again. I find thee most fit for business. Go make thee ready. Our letters are prepared. Exit messenger. A proper man. Indeed he is so. I repent me much that so I harried him. Why, methinks, by him, this creature's no such thing. Nothing, madam. The man hath seen some majesty, and should know. Hath he seen majesty? Isis else defend, and serving you so long. I have one thing more to ask him yet, good Carmian. But tis no matter. Thou shalt bring him to me where I will write. All may be well enough. I warrant you, madam. Exeunt. Scene 4. Athens. A room in Mark Antony's house. Enter Mark Antony and Octavia. Nay, nay, Octavia, not only that. That were excusable, that and thousands more of semblable import. But he hath waged new wars against Pompey, made his will and read it to public ear, spoke scantly of me, when perforce he could not but pay me terms of honour, cold and sickly he vented them. Most narrow measure lent me, when the best hint was given him, he not took or did it from his teeth. O oh, my good lord, believe not all, or if you must believe, stomach not all. A more unhappy lady, if this division chance, ne'er stood between, praying for both parts. The good gods me presently, when I shall pray, O oh, bless my lord and husband, undo that prayer by crying out as loud, O oh, bless my brother. Husband win, win brother, prays and destroys the prayer, no midway twixt these extremes at all. Gentle Octavia, let your best love draw to that point which seeks best to preserve it. If I lose mine honour, I lose myself. Better I were not yours than yours so branchless. But, as you requested, yourself shall go betweens. The meantime, lady, I'll raise a preparation of a war shall stain your brother. Make your soonest haste, so your desires are yours. Thanks to my lord. The jove of power make me most weak, most weak, your reconciler. Worse twixt you twain would be, as if the world should cleave, and that slain man should solder up the rift. When it appears to you where this begins, turn your displeasure that way, for our faults can never be so equal that your love can equally move with them. Provide your going, choose your own company, and command what cost your heart has mind to. Exeunt. Scene 5. The same. Another room. 
Enter Domitius Anabarbus and Eros, meeting. How now, friend Eros? There's strange news come, sir. What, man? Caesar and Lepidus have made wars upon Pompey. This is old. What is the success? Caesar, having made use of him in the wars against Pompey, presently denied him rivality, would not let him partake in the glory of the action, and, not resting here, accuses him of letters he had formerly wrote to Pompey. Upon his own appeal seizes him. So the poor third is up, till death enlarge his confine. Then, world, thou hast a pair of chaps no more, and throw between them all the food thou hast. They'll grind the one the other. Where's Antony? He's walking in the garden, thus, and spurns the rush that lies before him, cries, Fool Lepidus, and threats the throat of that his officer that murdered Pompey. Our great navy's rigged. For Italy and Caesar. More, Domitius. My lord desires you presently. My news I might have told hereafter. Twill be naught. But let it be. Bring me to Antony. Come, sir. Exuant. Scene 6. Rome. Octavius Caesar's house. Enter Octavius Caesar, Agrippa, and Bucanus. Contemning Rome he has done all this and more in Alexandria. Here's the manner of it. I the market-place, on a tribunal silvered, Cleopatra and himself in chairs of gold were publicly enthroned. At the feet sat Caesarian, whom they call my father's son, and all the unlawful issue that their lust since then hath made between them. Unto her he gave the establishment of Egypt, made her of lower Syria, Cyprus, Lydia, absolute queen. This in the public eye? I the common show-place where they exercise. His sons he there proclaimed the kings of kings. Great Media, Parthia, and Armenia he gave to Alexander. To Ptolemy he assigned Syria, Sicilia, and Phoenicia. She in the habiliments of the goddess Isis that day appeared, and oft before gave audience, as tis reported so. Let Rome be thus informed. Who queasy with his insolence already? Will their good thoughts call from him? The people know it, and have now received his accusations. Who does he accuse? Caesar. And that, having in Sicily Sextus Pompeius spoiled, we had not rated him his part of the isle. Then, does he say, he lent me some shipping unrestored. Lastly, he frets that Lepidus of the Triumvirate should be deposed, and being that we detain all his revenue. Sir, this should be answered. "'Tis done already, and the messenger gone. I have told him Lepidus was grown too cruel, that he his high authority abused, and did deserve his change. For what I have conquered I grant him part. But then in his Armenia and other of his conquered kingdoms I demand the like. He'll never yield to that. Nor must not then be yielded to in this. Enter Octavia with her train. Hail, Caesar, and my lord! Hail, most dear Caesar! Oh, that ever I should call thee castaway! You have not called me so, nor have you cause. Why have you stolen upon us thus? You come not like Caesar's sister. The wife of Antony should have an army for an usher, and the nays of horse to tell of her approach long ere she did appear. The trees, by the way, should have borne men, and expectation fainted longing for what it had not. 
Nay, the dust should have ascended to the roof of heaven raised by your populous troops. But you are come a market-maid to Rome, and have prevented the ostentation of our love, which left unshown is often left unloved. We should have met you by sea and land, supplying every stage with an augmented greeting. Good my lord, to come thus was I not constrained, but did on my free will. My lord Mark Antony, hearing that you prepared for war, acquainted my grieved ear with all, whereon I begged his pardon for return. Which soon he granted, being an obstruct tween his lust and him. Do not say so, my lord. I have eyes upon him, and his affairs come to me on the wind. Where is he now? My lord, in Athens. No, my most wronged sister. Cleopatra hath nodded him to her. He hath given his empire up to a whore, who now are levying the kings of the earth for war. He hath assembled Bocchus, the king of Libya, Archelaus of Cappadocia, Philadelphos, king of Paphlagonia, the Thracian king Adalus, king Malchus of Arabia, king of Pont, Herod of Jewry, Mithridates, king of Comagene, Polemon and Amyntus, the kings of Media and Laconia, with a more larger list of sceptres. Ay, me, most wretched, that have my heart parted betwixt two friends that do afflict each other. Welcome hither. Your letters did withhold our breaking forth, till we perceived both how you were wrong-led and we in negligent danger. Cheer your heart. Be you not troubled with the time which drives or your content these strong necessities, but let determined things to destiny hold unbewailed their way. Welcome to Rome, nothing more dear to me. You are abused beyond the mark of thought, and the high gods to do you justice make the ministers of us and those that love you. Best of comfort and ever welcome to us. Welcome, lady. Welcome, dear madam. Each heart in Rome does love and pity you. Only the adulterous Antony, most large in his abominations, turns you off, and gives his potent regiment to a troll that noises it against us. Is it so, sir? Most certain. Sister, welcome. Pray you be ever known to patience, my dearest sister. Exuant. Scene 7. Near Actium. Mark Antony's camp. Enter Cleopatra and Domitius and Abarbus. I will be even with thee, doubt it not. But why, why, why? Thou hast forespoke my being in these wars, and sayest it is not fit. Well, is it? Is it? If not denounced against us, why should not we be there in person? Aside. Well, I could reply, if we should serve with horse and mares together, the horse were merely lost. The mares would bear our soldier and his horse. What is it you say? Your presence needs must puzzle Antony. Take from his heart, take from his brain, from his time. What should not then be spared? He is already traduced for levity, and tis said in Rome that Photinus and Eunuch and your maids manage this war. Sink Rome in their tongues rot that speak against us. A charge we bear in the war, and, as the president of my kingdom, will appear there for a man. Speak not against it. I will not stay behind. Nay, I have done. Here comes the emperor. Enter Mark Antony and Canidius. Is it not strange, Canidius, 
that from Tarentum and Brundusium he could so quickly cut the Ionian Sea and take in Torine. You have heard on't, sweet? Celerity is never more admired than by the negligent. A good rebuke which might well become the best of men to taunt at slackness. Canidius, we will fight with him by sea. By sea, what else? Why will my lord do so? For that he dares us to it. So hath my lord dared him to single fight. I and to wage this battle at Pharsalia, where Caesar fought with Pompey. But these offers, which serve not for his vantage, he shakes off. And so should you. Your ships are not well manned. Your mariners are mulleters, reapers, people engrossed by swift impress. In Caesar's fleet are those that often have gainst Pompey fought. Their ships are yar, yours heavy. No disgrace shall fall you for refusing him at sea, being prepared for land. By sea, by sea. Most worthy sir, you therein throw away the absolute soldiership you have by land. Distract your army, which doth most consist of war-marked footmen. Leave unexecuted your own renowned knowledge. Quite forego the way which promises assurance, and give up yourself merely to chance and hazard from firm security. I'll fight at sea. I have sixty sails, Caesar, none better. Our overplus of shipping will we burn, and with the rest full manned from the head of Axiom beat the approaching Caesar. But if we fail, we then can do it at land. Enter a messenger. Thy business? The news is true, my lord. He is descried. Caesar has taken Torine. Can he be there in person? Tis impossible. Strange that power should be. Canidius, our nineteen legions thou shalt hold by land, and our twelve thousand horse. Will to our ship. Away, my Thetis. Enter a soldier. How now, worthy soldier? O noble emperor, do not fight by sea. Trust not to rotten planks. Do you misdoubt this sword and these my wounds? Let the Egyptians and the Phoenicians go a-ducking. We have used to conquer standing on the earth and fighting foot to foot. Well, well, away. Exeunt Mark Antony, Queen Cleopatra, and Domitius Anabarbus. By Hercules, I think I am in the right. Soldier, thou art. But his whole action grows not in the power on't. So our leaders led, and we are women's men. You keep by land the legions and the horse whole, do you not? Marcus Octavius, Marcus Justius, Publicola, and Caelius are for sea. But we keep hold by land. This speed of Caesar's carries beyond belief. While he was yet in Rome, his power went out in such distractions as beguiled all spies. Who's his lieutenant here, you? They say, one Taurus. Well, I know the man. Enter a messenger. The emperor calls Canidius. With news the times with labor, and throws forth each minute some. Exeunt. Scene 8. A plain near Actium. Enter Octavius Caesar and Taurus with his army marching. Taurus. My lord. Strike not by land. Keep whole. Provoke not battle till we have done at sea. Do not exceed the prescript of this scroll. Our fortune lies upon this jump. Exeunt. Scene 9. Another part of the plain. Enter Mark Antony and Domitius Anabarbus. Set we our squadrons on yon side of the hill, in eye of Caesar's battle, from which place we may the number of the ships behold, 
and so proceed accordingly. Exeunt. Scene 10. Another part of the plain. Canidius marcheth with his land army one way over the stage, and Taurus, the lieutenant of Octavius Caesar, the other way. After their going in is heard the noise of a sea fight. Alarum. Enter Domitius and Abarbus. Nought, nought all, nought. I can behold no longer. The Antoniad, the Egyptian admiral, with all their sixty fly and turn the rudder. To see it, mine eyes are blasted. Enter Scarus. Gods and goddesses, all the whole synod of them. What's thy passion? The greater cantle of the world is lost with very ignorance. We have kissed away kingdoms and provinces. How appears the fight? On our side like the tokened pestilence, where death is sure. Yon rebadred nag of Egypt, whom leprosy o'ertake, I the midst of the fight, when vantage like a pair of twins appeared, both as the same, or rather ours the elder, the breeze upon her like a cow in June, hoists sails and flies. That I beheld. Mine eyes did sicken at the sight, and could not endure a further view. She once been loofed, the noble ruin of her magic Antony, Claps on his sea-wing, and like a doting mallard, leaving the fight in height, flies after her. I never saw an action of such shame. Experience, manhood, honor, ne'er before did violate so itself. Alack, alack! Enter Canidius. Our fortune on the sea is out of breath, and sinks most lamentably. Had our general been what he knew himself, it had gone well. Oh, he has given us example for our flight, most grossly, by his own. Aye, are you thereabouts? Why, then, good night indeed. Toward Peloponnesus are they fled. Tis easy, Toot, and there I will attend what further comes. To Caesar will I render my legions and my horse. Six kings already show me the way of yielding. I'll yet follow the wounded chance of Antony, though my reason sits in the wind against me. Exeunt. Scene 11. Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Mark Antony with attendants. Hark! The land bids me tread no more upon't. It is a shame to bear me. Friends, come hither. I am so lated in the world that I have lost my way for ever. I have a ship laden with gold. Take that, divide it, fly, and make your peace with Caesar. Fly! fly not we! we. I have fled myself, and have instructed cowards to run and show their shoulders. Friends, be gone. I have myself resolved upon a course which has no need of you. Be gone. My treasure's in the harbour. Take it. Oh, I followed that I blush to look upon. My very hairs do mutiny, for the white reprove the brown for rashness, and they them for fear and doting. Friends, be gone. You shall have letters from me to some friends that will sweep your way for you. Pray you, look not sad, nor make replies of loathness. Take the hint which my despair proclaims. Let that be left which leaves itself. To the seaside straightway, I will possess you of that ship and treasure. Leave me, I pray, a little. Pray you now. Nay, do so, for indeed I have lost command, Therefore I pray you, I'll see you by and by. Sits down. Enter Cleopatra, led by Carmion and Iris, Eros following. 
Nay, gentle madam, to him. Comfort him. Do, most dear queen. Do? Why, what else? Let me sit down. Oh, Juno. No, 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 no. See you here, sir? Oh, fie, fie, fie. Madam! Madam, oh, good empress. Sir, sir. Yes, my lord, yes. He at Philippi kept his sword e'en like a dancer, while I struck the lean and wrinkled Cassius, and twas I that the mad Brutus ended. He alone dwelt on lieutenantry, and no practice had in the brave squares of war. Yet now, no matter. Ah, stand by. The queen, my lord, the queen. Go to him, madam. Speak to him. He is unqualified with very shame. Well, then sustain him. Oh! Most noble sir, arise. The queen approaches. Her head's declined, and death will seize her. But your comfort makes the rescue. I have offended reputation, a most unnoble swerving. Sir, the queen. Oh, whither hast thou led me, Egypt? See how I do convey my shame out of thine eyes by looking back what I have left behind, strewed in dishonour. Oh, my lord, my lord, forgive my fearful sails. I little thought you would have followed. Egypt, thou knewst too well my heart was to thy rudder tied by the strings, and thou shouldst tow me after. O oh, my spirit, thy full supremacy thou knewest, and that thy beck might from the bidding of the gods command me. O oh, my pardon! Now I must to the young man send humble treaties, dodge and palter in the shifts of lowness. Who, with half the bulk of the world, played as I pleased, making and marring fortunes. You did know how much you were my conqueror, and that my sword, made weak by my affection, would obey it on all cause. Pardon, pardon. Fall not a tear, I say. One of them rates all that is won and lost. Give me a kiss. Even this repays me. We sent our schoolmaster. Is he come back? Love, I am full of lead. Some wine, within there, and our viands. Fortune knows we scorn her most when most she offers blows. Exeunt. Scene 12. Egypt. Octavius Caesar's camp. Enter Octavius Caesar, Dolabella, Thyreus, with others. Let him appear that's come from Antony. Know you him? Caesar, tis his schoolmaster. An argument that he is plucked, when hither he sends so poor opinion of his wing, which had superfluous kings for messengers not many moons ago. Enter Euphronius, ambassador from Mark Antony. Approach, and speak. Such as I am, I come from Antony. I was of late as petty to his ends as the morn dew on the myrtle leaf to his grand sea. Be it so, declare thine office. Lord of his fortunes, he salutes thee, and requires to live in Egypt, which, not granted, he lessens his requests, and to thee sues to let him breathe between the heavens and earth, a private man in Athens, this for him. Next, Cleopatra does confess thy greatness, submits her to thy might, and of thee craves the circle of the Ptolemies for her heirs, now hazarded to thy grace. For Antony I have no ears to his request. The queen of audience nor desire shall fail, 
so she from Egypt drive her all-disgraced friend, or take his life there. This, if she perform, she shall not sue unheard. So to them both. Fortune pursue thee. Bring him through the bands. Exit Euphronius. To Thyreus. To try eloquence, now tis time. Dispatch. From Antony win, Cleopatra. Promise, and in our name, what she requires. Add more from thine invention offers. Women are not in their best fortunes strong, But want will perjure the ne'er-touched vestal. Try thy cunning, Thyreus. Make thine own edict for thy pains, Which we will answer as a law. Caesar, I go. Observe how Antony becomes his flaw, And what thou think'st his very action speaks In every power that moves. Caesar, I shall. Exuant. Scene thirteen. Alexandria, Cleopatra's palace. Enter Cleopatra, Domitius Anabarbus, Carmion, and Iris. What shall we do, Enobarbus? Think and die. Is Antony or we in fault for this? Antony only, that would make his will lord of his reason. What though you fled from the great face of war, whose several ranges frightened each other? Why should he follow? The itch of his affection should not then have nicked his captainship. At such a point, when half to half the world opposed, he being the mered question, t'was a shame no less that was his loss, to course your flying flags and leave his navy gazing. Prithee, peace. Enter Mark Antony with Euphronius the ambassador. Is that his answer? Aye, my lord. The queen shall then have courtesy, so she will yield us up. He says so. Let her note, to the boy Caesar, send this grizzled head, and he will fill thy wishes to the brim with principalities. That head, my lord? To him again, tell him he wears the rose of youth upon him, the which the world should note something particular, his coins, ships, legions, may be a coward's, whose ministers would prevail under the service of a child as soon as he the command of Caesar. I dare him, therefore, to lay his gay comparisons apart, and answer me, declined, sword against sword, ourselves alone. I'll write it. Follow me. Exuant Mark Antony and Euphronius. Aside. Yes, like enough, high-battled Caesar will unstate his happiness, and be staged to the show against a sworder. I see men's judgments are a parcel of their fortunes, and things outward do draw the inward quality after them, to suffer all alike. That he should dream, knowing all measure, the full Caesar will answer his emptiness. Caesar, thou hast subdued his judgment too. Enter an attendant. A messenger from Caesar. What? No more ceremony? See, my women? Against the blown rose may they stop their nose that kneels unto the buds. Admit him, sir. Exit, attendant. Aside. Mine honesty and I begin to square. The loyalty well held to fools does make our faith mere folly. Yet he that can endure to follow with allegiance a fallen lord does conquer him that did his master conquer and earn a place at a story. Enter Thyreus. Caesar's will? Hear it apart. None but friends, say boldly. So haply are they friends to Antony. He needs as many, sir, as Caesar has. Or needs not us. If Caesar please, our master will leap to be his friend. For us, you know, whose he is, we are. 
and that is Caesar's. So, thus then thou most renowned, Caesar entreats not to consider in what case thou standst further than he is Caesar. Go on, right royal. He knows that you embrace not Antony as you did love, but as you feared him. Oh! The scars upon your honor, therefore, he does pity as constrained blemishes, not as deserved. He is a god and knows what is most right. Mine honor was not yielded, but conquered merely. Aside. To be sure of that, I will ask Antony, Sir, sir, thou art so leaky that we must leave thee to thy sinking, for thy dearest quit thee. Exit. Shall I say to Caesar what you require of him? For he partly begs to be desired to give. It much would please him that of his fortunes you should make a staff to lean upon, but it would warm his spirits to hear from me you had left Antony, and put yourself under his shroud, the universal landlord. What's your name? My name is Thyreus. Most kind messenger, say to great Caesar this. In deputation I kiss his conquering hand. Tell him I am prompt to lay my crown at's feet, and there to kneel. Tell him from his all-obeying breath I hear the doom of Egypt. Tis your noblest course. Wisdom and fortune combating together, if that the former dare but what it can, no chance may shake it. Give me grace to lay my duty on your hand. Your Caesar's father. Oft, when he hath mused of taking kingdoms in, bestowed his lips on that unworthy place, as it rained kisses. Re-enter Mark Antony and Domitius and Abarbus. Favours by Jove that thunders! What art thou, feller? One that but performs the bidding of the fullest man, and worthiest to have command obeyed. Aside. You will be whipped. Approach there. Ah, you kite! Now, gods and devils, authority melts from me. Of late, when I cried, Ho! Like boys unto a moose, kings would start forth and cry, Your will? Have you no ears? I am Antony yet. Enter attendants. Take hence this jack and whip him. Aside. Tis better playing with a lion's whelp than with an old one dying. Moons and stars, whip him! Were twenty of the greatest tributaries that do acknowledge Caesar, should I find them so saucy with the hand of she here? What's her name, since she was Cleopatra? Whip him, fellows, till, like a boy, you see him cringe his face and whine aloud for mercy. Take him hence. Mark Antony. Tug him away. Being whipped, bring him again. This jack of Caesar's shall bear us an errand to him. Exuant attendance with Thyreus. You were half blasted ere I knew you. Ha! Ah, have I my pillow left unpressed in Rome, forborne the getting of a lawful race, and by a gem of women to be abused by one that looks on feeders? Good, my lord. You have been a boggler ever. But when we in our viciousness grow hard, O oh, misery aunt, the wise gods seal our eyes, in our own filth drop our clear judgments, make us adore our errors, laugh at while we strut to our confusion. Oh, is it come to this? I found you as a morsel cold upon dead Caesar's trencher. Nay, you were a fragment of Cineus Pompey's. 
besides what hotter hours unregistered in vulgar fame you have luxuriously picked out for i am sure though you can guess what temperance should be you know not what it is wherefore is this to let a fellow that will take rewards and say god quit you be familiar with my playfellow your hand this kingly seal and plighter of high hearts oh that i were upon the hill of bazan to outroar the horned herd for i have savage cause and to proclaim it civilly were like a halted neck which does the hangman thank for being here about him re-enter attendants with thyreus is he whipped soundly my lord cried he and begged a pardon he did ask favour if that thy father live let him repent thou wast not made his daughter and be thou sorry to follow Caesar in his triumph, since thou hast been whipped for following him. Henceforth the white hand of a lady fever thee, shake thou to look on't. Get thee back to Caesar, tell him thy entertainment. Look, thou say, he makes me angry with him, for he seems proud and disdainful, happy on what I am, not what he knew I was. He makes me angry, and at this time most easy tis to do it when my good stars that were my former guides have empty left their orbs and shot their fires into the abysm of hell if he mislike my speech and what is done tell him he has hipparchus my enfranched bondman whom he may at pleasure whip or hang or torture as he shall like to quit me urge it thou hence with thy stripes be gone exit thyreus have you done yet Alack, our terrene moon is now eclipsed, and it portends alone the fall of Antony. I must stay his time. To flatter Caesar would you mingle eyes with one that ties his points? Not know me yet. Cold-hearted toward me? Ah, dear, if I be so, from my cold heart let heaven engender hail, and poison it in the source, and the first stone drop in my neck, as it determines so dissolve my life. The next Caesarian smite, till by degrees the memory of my womb, together with my brave Egyptians all, by the discandying of this pelleted storm, lie graveless, till the flies and gnats of Nile have buried them for prey. I am satisfied. Caesar sits down in Alexandria, where I will oppose his fate. Our force by land hath nobly held. Our severed navy, too, hath knit again, and fleet threatening most sea-like, where hast thou been, my heart? Dost thou hear, lady? If from the field I shall return once more to kiss these lips, I will appear in blood. I and my sword will earn our chronicle. There's hope in't yet. That's my brave lord. I will be treble-sinewed, hearted, breathed, and fight maliciously. For when mine hours were nice and lucky, men did ransom lives of me for jests. But now I'll set my teeth and send to darkness all that stop me. Come, let's have one other gaudy night. Call to me all my sad captains. Fill our bowls once more. Let's mock the midnight bell. It is my birthday. I had thought to have held it poor. But since my lord is Antony again, I will be Cleopatra. We will yet do well. Call all his noble captains to my lord. Do so. We'll speak to them. And tonight I'll force the wine peep through their scars. Come on, my queen, the sap int yet. The next time I do fight, 
I'll make death love me, for I will contend even with his pestilent scythe. Exuant all but Demetrius and Ababus. Now he'll outstare the lightning. To be furious is to be frightened out of fear, and in that mood the dove will peck the estridge, and I see still a diminution in our captain's brain restores his heart. When valour preys on reason, it eats the sword it fights with. I will seek some way to leave him. Exit. End of Act Three.